Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm David Walker. I am joined by my co-host, my partner in crime, Forever Mad Online, Gina Kelly. Gina, how are you doing? I am doing great, David. Thank you for asking. How are you? I'm good. It is uh, it is a new NFL season, and we're here to talk about it. Uh, this should be fun. Um, we are joined by um, our fellow writer at the Falcoholic, Will McFadden. Will, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well, DW. Is, is now a good time to uh, officially announce that the Falcoholic is signing me to a four-year, $85 million extension? Breaking news! <laughs> Breaking wow, news here on the so, podcast. So early in Christian the Kirk money, baby. <laughs> I know. You guys are way overpaying. Oh, Christian Kirk money. Yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about the Jaguars in a little bit, but not about that guy. Um, we are here to talk about some moves the Falcons have made. Uh, they've finally given us... A little bit of something to talk about. The news actually started last week at the end of last week when I think half of Falcons Twitter lost their minds when they saw that Matt Ryan's um, contract was restructured yet again. Um, and to be clear, he was going to cost, I think it was $48 million against the cap in 2022 with the, the contract structure he had in place. Um, or 47, it was 47, 48 million. And there was just no way the team was going to play him at a $48 million cap hit. So they've converted a portion of his salary. They converted um, his roster bonus. He was owned, uh, he was going to get $7.5 million uh, as a roster bonus. Uh, they converted a portion of the salary, the roster bonus. Interesting detail in this, um, covered by Mike Rothstein at ESPN. The Falcons did add three voidable years to the end yep. of his contract. Um, which is significant because it actually um, looking at over the cap.com, you guys, I'm, I am no cap genius, but this is where most people go to look at this. Um, it actually keeps the 2023 cap hit to 46.6 million. It was originally going to be 55 million, but 9 million of that bonus is spread across 2024, 2025 and 2026, 3 million per year. So this was an, an effort to, uh, blunt the, the, the massive cap implications of Ryan's contract. Um, so first of all, uh, question, uh, Gina, I'll start with you here. Were you surprised to see the, that the Falcons really is their first move going into the 2022 season was to restructure Matt Ryan at age 37 uh, to restructure his contract yet again to free up you know, roughly 11 million in cap space? 
No, I really wasn't surprised. I mean, I think that we all knew that something was going to happen with mm -hmm. uh, Matt Ryan's contract. $48 million is just a completely absurd money, <laughs> amount of money to have tied up in one player. You know, that's like a quarter of the cap almost. And so, yep. yeah, I thought that it was going to be absolutely necessary. I actually think that it's a pretty... Uh, pretty good deal for both sides. I think that this is a really smart deal for the Falcons. Um, those three void years really do just give them a lot more flexibility, as uh, and which I, I think you really want in the contract of a quarterback who's getting up there in age. Now, to, to somebody like me or DW, 37 is still young. But, you know, for <laughs> quarterbacks, unless you're Tom Brady, it's not that young. Um, so, yeah, I thought that it was actually a really smart move by the team and um, – Looking at this year's uh, the uh, the draft class of quarterbacks, I would feel much more comfortable with Matt Ryan starting the season. So um, I think that it was a good move. Yeah, um, Will, what are your thoughts on the Falcons sort of kicking the can down the road one more time? There were some people who thought that the Falcons might eat that uh, huge cap hit this year, but alas, that has not happened. Well, it was it was interesting to me that this was one of the earlier moves that they made. Because, you know, that that report that Steve Weish had um, right before the combine, basically, he indicated that the Falcons viewed this as kind of, um, you know, their their last option. Uh, yeah. It was kind of a, a break glass in case of emergency um, option for them. And, and so to see them then go out kind of early on and, and make this their first move um, was surprising. Either they really were uh, high on getting Foye Lewican back and we saw you know, and we'll get to that, but like how he, what he ended up getting, maybe they felt they needed to get some of those funds sooner rather than later to make a, a competitive bid for that. Maybe they have something totally else in mind for this. Maybe they just felt, Hey, the, the time is now to get this done. And we want to know kind of the cards that we're working with as we move into the beginning of free agency. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as Gina mentioned, the, the three void years, all those do really is, is that once, I mean, once 2023 is over, either the Falcons are probably going to, you know, sign him to a real extension or release him. And those three void years will then all become guaranteed at the point of his release. And they'll just count $9 million against the cap for one year. Um, and, and that'll kind of be that. So, you know, I, I think that it makes sense for both sides. I do agree. I feel way more comfortable with Matt Ryan and I have felt comfortable, you know, frankly, over any of these, these rookie quarterbacks, same would have been the case last year. You know, Matt Ryan is a former league MVP. He's 37 years old. He's playing really good football. Um, I think that he is, was underratedly really good last year. Um, and, and the raw stats will not, um, bear that out, but yeah, watching him on a, on a play to play basis, I think that he had a grasp on this offense that was really heartening and kind of one of the reasons I'm bullish on this offense to be better in 2022 is because I think there's no real learning curve for Matt Ryan um, this time around in this offense. They just need to get the pieces around him. So hopefully some of this money um, will help them do that. Yeah, that's a really good point. And again, the Falcons save, I think, 11 to 12 million against the cap. Um, and honestly, if you want to look at it this way, um, Calvin Ridley's suspension served as sort of the first move for cap purposes because it freed up 11 million for the Falcons cap where it stands right now, before we factor in some of the other moves we're going to talk about is the Falcons have 16 million in cap space in 2022, which is, it sounds like a lot. It really, it still isn't, um, you know, they have to sign their draft class, which would cost anywhere from uh, six to $10 million in cap space. So half of it is gone right there. 
uh, and then you still need to sign, you know, some free agents. Uh, and that's part of what this podcast is about is some of those guys that are sort of looming on the horizon. Now, the big question for me, and I think for a lot of Falcons fans is, did this extension mean the, that, you know, anything where Matt Ryan is concerned for 2023. Um, and I'll be honest, I think that this move was purely about salary cap, the void years. Again, as you mentioned, Will gives the Falcons a lot of options. Um, they don't, you know, they could draft a quarterback this year, sit him for a year, and then look to move on from Matt Ryan in 2023 now. Uh, they could look to keep Matt Ryan around for one more year uh, past this year in 2023, as you said, let the contract expire. And if he's still playing well, they, I, I really think this move was about them keeping their options open um, with the exception of obviously trading Matt Ryan, which is not going to happen now. <laughs> well, when, um, when we talk about like a succession plan, right? Because that's what drafting a quarterback back implies is, you know, like that would be why you would do it with somebody like Matt Ryan is that they can learn from Matt Ryan and then eventually yep. take over. They need something to take over. A succession plan doesn't work if you know if you're not <laughs> Logan Roy running the biggest media empire in the in the country. Fictionally, you know, there's nothing there to inherit. The Falcons don't have anything for the heir apparent to actually inherit at the quarterback position. They need to figure that out. I don't think they do that by using some of their top draft picks on guys who are going to sit and learn because they need those draft picks out there on the field playing. So that's why I, you know, I think that they're, I think they've just told us time and again, they're comfortable with Matt Ryan being their starting quarterback. And I would expect that to be the case maybe through the end of his deal, you know, for the next few seasons. Yeah. Gina, what I find funny in, in a lot of the talk about Matt Ryan is um, we've heard a lot of people sort of clamoring for him to be traded. And the mm-hmm. logic has, the logic has been, Oh, these teams could use Matt Ryan. He's a good starter and, and they would love to have him as quarterback. And I'm thinking, then why wouldn't we want to have him as a good starter and quarterback? And I think there's this the thought amongst some fans, which is it's time to move on. It's time to find the next guy. But to Will's point, like I don't think I would want to put a rookie quarterback on this team right now without a ton of weapons. You know, they're not going to have Calvin Ridley this year. So it, there's a chance that this wide receiver core is going to be completely new from top to bottom. Like that is a rough situation to put a young quarterback into is, you know, I think people forget when Matt Ryan came into the league, he came in behind a really good offensive line with a veteran center that helped him ease into the league. He had Roddy White at wide receiver. He had Michael Turner in the backfield. It really helped ease the transition for him in the NFL. It seems like the Falcons want to do something similar um, here with with Matt Ryan and and his successor. So are you on board with the idea of riding uh, out Matt Ryan for the next couple of years and then finding that successor, but putting him into a better position to succeed? Absolutely. And I've been saying that on this podcast for many years, like, I would have loved it if the Falcons had been, you know, drafting mid round quarterbacks and seeing who could develop behind Matt Ryan because for for years now, because like your worst case scenario, if somebody develops to the point that you feel like they're a viable starter, but you're not ready to move on from uh, Matt Ryan, then you you Jimmy Garoppolo it, you trade him and (laughs) you get capital back for that. I mean, so yeah, I'm very, very in favor of that whole thing. Um, I do think that last year's crop of quarterbacks were not the best fit for that plan because you had so many guys who looked to be at least close to pro ready. Um, yeah. But this year, it's very different. If they could get somebody, you know, in the middle rounds, you know, you might be able to get somebody in who's going to be able to come in and develop into a viable backup. Yeah, and I'm I'm on board with a quarterback in the mid rounds. Um, 
And interestingly enough, since 2008, the year Matt Ryan was drafted, only one team, only one team in the NFL out of 32 teams has drafted only one quarterback in that time frame. And it's the Falcons. And it was Sean Renfrey was the only quarterback drafted in that time frame. <laughs> oh my um, gosh. Yeah, which is stunning. Like there, there are a few teams that drafted two or three, you know, pretty low uh, total overall. But the Falcons have basically said, nope, they're punting on the position for like since 2008. So mm-hmm. it, it would seem like after 14 years, maybe this year is the year they finally break that trend. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I love that stat because you would think as your quarterback ages that, that the franchise would start thinking, oh, let's see if we can hit on somebody. Nope. They haven't touched a single one in 14 years. <laughs> Other and than they had a backup that was older than their starter for like the last six of them. <laughs> right. Oh, man. And they had Chris Redman here for a while, right? The first couple of years that, that Matt Ryan was uh-huh. here. Um, yep. So they, they seem to like uh, those old uh, backup quarterbacks, um, as it were. Uh, can't do that any now, anymore now with Matt Ryan being in his late thirties. Uh, <laughs> all right. The other news we got today, uh, and we don't have full details yet as far as how this is going to impact the cap, but the Falcons did sign, uh, or it looks like they signed uh, left tackle, Jake Matthews to a three-year extension. Uh, Matthews turns 30 this year. I do want to say, you know, offensive linemen tend to play longer. In fact, we had a left tackle in the Super Bowl with the Rams uh, who was literally the oldest to play. He was 40 years old. Um, so, and, and Jake Matthews has played 127 straight games. He has been incredibly durable throughout his career. It looks like he's getting a new contract. Um, more than likely, uh, he is going to see his cap hit drop this year. I can't imagine the situation in which they sign him to an extension and somehow lift his cap uh, his cap hit. Oh. Right now, as it stands, Jake Matthews was going to have a 23.7 million cap hit. That's probably going to come down. I don't know how much is going to come down, but that's probably going to drop from there. Um, so, Gina, I'll, I'll go to you here first. Jake Matthews uh, extending him at age 30. What are your thoughts on the stalwart on the offensive line? Well, I'm going to go back to um, when the Falcons drafted Jake Matthews. And that was, I did an interview with Mike Ken. It was my first like big girl interview. I met him at the Outback Steakhouse in Swanee. <laughs> um, and we had a really lovely conversation, but you know, that was shortly after Jake had been drafted. And Mike Ken told me at the time, Jake Matthews is going to be this, he is capable of being this team's left tackle for his entire career. And he is going to be a very good, very reliable left tackle. And, you know, I trust Mike Ken's opinion on that implicitly mm-hmm. i mean he in my opinion deserves to be in the hall of fame he, he was an incredible offensive lineman um and you know i think that we've definitely seen that now is does jake make some boneheaded mistakes yes does everybody make some boneheaded mistakes sometimes <laughs> yes and jake is actually very consistent you know those mistakes you notice them because he doesn't make them very often um and so yeah i think that you want to you want to have continuity at that position. Obviously, he and Matt Ryan played together for a number of years, very comfortable. We're gonna likely see some other shakeups along the offensive line. And so, you know, having Jake's veteran presence um, to kind of help the new guys acclimate and build chemistry, I think will be really beneficial. So yeah, I think that it was a really important restructure because like you said, that cap hit that he was going to carry, it's a lot. Um, but yeah, I think that they needed to do it. I'm really glad that he's going to be um, manning that spot. Yeah. 
Um, Will, you and I were talking a little bit beforehand. It seems like Jake has had, I don't know, like split support in the fan base. Um, <laughs> I, I've never understood it. I, I think he's been uh, the kind of left tackle you can leave out there on an island for the most part. He doesn't get beat frequently. Yeah, he could probably be a little bit better of a run blocker, but in pass protection, he does his job. He does it really well, actually. Um, what are your thoughts on sort of the second move for the Falcons being to lock down uh, Jake Matthews for another few years? It's really smart. Um, you know, I, your point about him being probably better pass blocker than run blocker, absolutely spot on. But uh, that's kind of what I'd almost rather have in a in a left tackle. Um, yes. Uh, because you you can help out the run blocking with scheme a little bit uh, and and the edge, it's important to set it, but it, it's more important to protect Matt Ryan's blind side. And Jake Matthews has done nothing but that. Um, I, you know, I, I think that he it, offensive line. You know, it it's a position that a lot of people don't watch snap in and and snap out, uh, which more people should because that actually is really fun. So it, it tends to get a little bit kind of like if you're a big name guy that people talk about nationally, then you're perceived to be like a really good player. Jake has always been right below that where he, when the Falcons are doing well, like he's one of the players that usually gets lumped in as, as being one of the better players on the team. But when they're not, they have been out of the national spotlight for a while. He just gets lost in the shuffle among left tackles because he's probably around like the 10th to 12th best tackle in the NFL. But I will take that because we have not had to have a conversation the last 10 years about the left tackle position. And you know, <laughs> when you start looking at ways to get a team towards a championship, it's one of those cornerstone pieces of a roster. And Jake is still certainly good at, you know, you mentioned that, that offensive linemen can play a little bit longer. Usually 34, 35 is, is about when the expiration date starts to hit. He's, he's 30. You get him to a, a, an extension here. You're going to be kind of leading him off into the sunset, probably at the end of this deal. Um, but it makes all the sense in the world to continue to have him around, certainly while Matt Ryan is here. But we just mentioned getting a, a young quarterback in and having the pieces around him. I would love for Jake Matthews, not only because of what he brings on the field, but for the in locker room moments for him to be here for whatever the succession plan is at quarterback, because he's that good both on and off the field. Yeah. And right now the Falcons offensive line has two good players on it and Jake is one of them. <laughs> um, the, yeah. the other three guys are, you know, question marks. And we talked about that in the off season. We don't have to rehash that here. Uh, undoubtedly, you know, they're, like I said, the Falcons are probably going to free up a little bit more cap space. I don't think it's going to be a tremendous amount of cap space. I don't think they're going to drop from like 23 million to 10 million. They're not, I don't think they're going to free up that much, but uh, probably going to free up somewhere between, you know, back of the napkin math, Probably going to free up another five to six million is my my guess on his contract because they, he does have uh, some prorated bonus money which you can't touch, which you can't really do much with. So I suspect they're going to free up between five and seven million with Jake, which is again you know going to put the Falcons over twenty million in cap space, um, all for just you know working the paper. Um, I do want to talk about some of the Falcons' free agents, including an unfortunate move that we didn't want to hear about, and it's it's going to impact. Uh, the Falcons' plans on defense this year. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. 
So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. And we're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is Dave Walker. I'm joined by Gina Kelly and Will McFadden. We're talking about some of the recent moves the Falcons have made to kick off the 2022 NFL season. We talked about Ryan's extension, Jake Matthews getting an extension. Let's talk about the big name that sort of hit today and kind of stunned us um, <laughs> because, whoo, boy, uh, the, the team that's paying is paying a lot. And unfortunately, it's they're paying a lot to a former Falcons player now, and that is um, linebacker Foyer Luikun, who is going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. It looks like he is uh, going to get a major payday. And this comes on the, the report that, um, you know, the Falcons were really looking to try to keep Foyer. Uh, they they did not necessarily want to, to move on from him. Uh, and it looks like he is getting a three-year deal worth $45 million, an average of $15 million per year, which is a very, very high figure. Um, and I'm not saying that Foyer doesn't deserve that. He certainly uh, had a great season last year, leading the NFL with 192 tackles, the seventh highest total in league history. Um, and, you know, 117 uh, games last year, so keep that in mind. Um, but our former six round pick out of Yale has gotten his big payday and it's in Jacksonville. So will I'll go to you here first with this one. Are you surprised? First of all, that Jacksonville made it rain for a foyer. Uh, and secondly, are you surprised that, um, it looked like the Falcons were really, you know, intent on keeping him even with, um, you know, Deion Jones still on the books and, and being a significant factor in their, against their 2022 cap. I'm just uh, reminiscing back to our, uh, you know, the good year of our Lord 2019 um, and, and thinking <laughs> back to uh, Devondre Campbell and Foye Lewican and, and Deion Jones all being in the same linebacker oh, room man. together, uh, coached by Jeff Holbrook. Those were good times. Um, but I, I am not surprised that Jacksonville dropped, dropped the bag um, because that seems like a very Jacksonville move. <laughs> um, I, I'm a little surprised that his market was that high. Um, but again, all it takes is one team. And so it could have just been the Jags, like identified him as, as somebody that they wanted to maybe build around on defense and maybe be, you know, by, by all accounts and, and Gina, you know, this like foyer is an amazing locker room guy. So, you know, you're, you're paying for, uh, a good on the field player, but also a great off field, um, player it's, mm. you know, tackles. And you mentioned the 17 game thing, you know, it's, it's nothing to sneeze at that. He did lead the NFL in tackles. That's awesome. But yeah that can sometimes be the product of, of scheme. And if you're, you know, if I'm paying for anything, I don't know if tackles is necessarily the, the stat that I want to pay a premium for because you can manufacture tackles in other ways. And I think Foyer is a great athlete. You know, certainly we all know the story of former safety. I mean, ran fast. That's why the Falcons really liked him. And, and we've seen that translate onto the field. Great at forcing fumbles, really smart player um, against the run as well. But I don't know if he's a game-changing linebacker. I think he's a very, very good person to have in the middle of your defense, which is why I thought the Falcons, like he would make sense kind of in this role where Dean Pease might utilize some of the more guys coming off of the edge than the guys in the middle. Um, but I'll be curious to see what he does down there in Jacksonville. I mean, they've, they've got a pretty good defense. Um, I certainly want nothing but the best for him. I, I like Foy a lot. I really enjoyed getting to, to know him and watch him play the last couple of years. But um I was a little surprised at the number and now, yeah, it's Michael Walker's time to shine. 
<laughs> Excellent point. Um, Gina, your thoughts on losing um, arguably one of the, the better defenders for the Falcons last year. And, and again, that's a low bar, all things considered with their defense. Yeah. Um, but what do you think of the Falcons losing one of their better defenders from 2022 to free agency? You know, I'm sorry to see Poya go for all of the reasons that um, Will just shared. And it's been really fun to see him develop over the past couple of years. Um, that said, this is a lot of money. And yes. the Falcons are, they are much more poor than the Jaguars are. So it was really not possible for the Falcons to match that. Um, I was a little bit surprised at the amount, but I also know, I think that Shad Khan is tired of his team being a laughing stock, And I think that he is willing to kind of do whatever uh, to change that. So I'm not surprised that the Jaguars did it, but um, yeah, it was a lot of money. It was a lot more than I expected to see Foye go for. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest. If that was the market, right. I, I think the Falcons letting him walk was the right move. Um, We've seen this franchise numerous times overspend on guys or put too much money into guys uh, that they were trying to bring in, and it just never paid off. And mm-hmm. honestly, I like Foyer. Uh, Will, I think your assessment was right. I think he's a good linebacker. I don't think he's a top linebacker. Um, and I think the Jaguars are paying him like he's one of the best linebackers in the league, and I don't know that he is that guy. Uh, I think he's still got some flaws in his game and and – uh, I think at the right price, he's he's absolutely someone you want to have on your defense. But at fifteen million a year, I'm not paying that price, especially like Gina said. You know, when you're uh, you're a franchise that is in essence rebuilding, um, the Falcons are having to rebuild. They they can't afford a whole lot right now. Next year will be better, but right now they're they're you know they're still Dollar Tree shopping and paying a guy <laughs> fifteen million a year uh, is just not going to do it. Um, so, Especially because I think I think with Foye, and again, this is why I liked him maybe on the Falcons. Uh, he's he is an incredibly high floor, but I think that he's close to maxed out his ceiling. If yeah, that that's makes point. sense, you know, he's making the most of of his athletic traits because he's so incredibly gifted. You know, between the ears, but it, I don't know if there's like a Devondre Campbell type of jump because Devondre always had freakish athletic potential but never kind of maximized all of it. And then he put it all together last year and it was in, insane. I don't, I think we're going to just continue to see what we saw from Foyer for the next seven, eight years, which if that's what they're expecting, that's great. But they're kind yeah. of paying him like, like he's going to suddenly change their entire defense. Yeah, exactly. And I, so in the grand scheme of things, sometimes you have to let guys walk because someone else is willing to pay so much more. And I, I think if you're going to pay that big, of a contract. It has to be for a guy that's going to be top of his position. And mm-hmm. as much as I love Foyer, I don't think he is a top five linebacker in this league. And I think the Falcons probably made the right decision, even if it sucks to watch him go. Um, all right. Thanks a lot, Jacksonville. We will remember this uh, down the road. Um, <laughs> all right. The Falcons do have uh, some additional moves. That I think they're going to have to make between now and Wednesday. And just to be clear, Technically, we are in the legal tampering uh, aspect of the NFL right now. Gino, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that true free agency doesn't open until Wednesday. Is that right? Or is it tomorrow? Is it Tuesday? Wednesday, but it might be tomorrow. Um, at, at Either way, it's either tomorrow or Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern. So legal tampering. Let me look it up because I don't want our readers to, our listeners to think that I'm an idiot here. Um, 
Sorry, I just have forgotten because it has been a very long legal tampering day already. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Okay, let's see here. So March 14th through March 16th. So yes, Wednesday, Wednesday. 4 p.m. Wednesday at 4 p.m. So legal tampering ends at (laughs) 3.59.59. That's what the NFL says. (laughs) So this foyer deal is probably already worked out, but it technically can't happen until Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, Mm -hmm. just to be very clear. Um, So if you're hearing these deals and you're thinking, wait, they, you know, I haven't seen any pictures of them signing yet. It's because (laughs) when you're signing a player from another team, you cannot uh, do that until legal tampering ends. Now, when it comes to your own players, you can you can sign those contracts whenever you want. There's no restrictions on that. It's only signing free agents from other teams where that legal tampering period and, and that uh, contract signing can actually be delayed. Um, where the Falcons are concerned, though, I want to talk about some of the pending free agents um, that hopefully they're going to work out some deals between now and Wednesday because we need some stuff to write about at the Falcoholic. Um, <laughs> but these are the guys that I think I want to highlight as sort of the big name free agents. No, one of them is not Josh Rosen. Uh, for the Josh Rosen fans listening to this podcast, um, there is a, <laughs> a Thomas Morstead maybe is a good name, actually. We, we will need to punter. He is a free agent. Um, but no, I want to start at the very top, uh, obviously with Calvin Ridley out, Russell Gage immediately pops to the top of my mind. Um, if you lose Russell Gage and it sounds like there's a market out there brewing for him. If you lose Russell Gage, Matt Ryan will go into this season with essentially none of his starting, uh, wide receivers from last year being on the 2022 roster, um, with Calvin Ridley having been suspended for the entire year. So Gina, how important do you think it is for the Falcons to try to lock down Russell Gage before he can even sniff free agency at this point? I think it's very important. But again, what we come back to is, is it going to be financially viable for them to mm. retain Gage? Um, because, it, you know, we've already seen like, uh, yeah, we're already seeing some wide receivers get some pretty um, exorbitant deals in these yep. early hours of <coughs> Christian tampering. <laughs> Christian Kirk. I mean, yeah. And Will McFadden, like he said at the top of the show, you know, <laughs> just throwing money at I'm these I'm changing guys. positions now. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, Get out but, wide, uh, buddy. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, yes, I think that it is important for them to do their best to retain gauge. They can't afford to overpay because again, the Falcons are broke. And so, um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. And I will never fault a player for securing the bag because you're always one injury or, you know, a few bad games away from maybe not having a future in this league. And so I never fault players when they, when they want to get paid, when they want to lock up that kind of money. Um, But yeah, the Falcons hands just might be tied if, if the market for gauge outprices them. Um, Will, it's interesting that the first name we're talking about here was a fellow sixth round draft pick of the Falcons with Foyer Luokun. And Foyer got his, you know, he got his payday. Russell Gage, I, I think, was another sort of surprising uh, late round draft pick that worked out for the previous regime. He, he turned in, you know, several good seasons with, with the Falcons. Um, but to Gina's point, you know, he could be looking at a big payday. We've heard the Detroit Lions are interested in him. Um, so do you agree? Do you, do you feel like same position applies? We cannot afford to overpay him. Or do you feel like this, this position group is so thin at this point that he's one of the guys we need to make happen? 
Uh, it was great lead in by you because the whole time I was, I was sitting here thinking about um, Russell Gage and, and I just kept thinking about foyer, you know, to me, they're very similar players in mm. how their career trajectory has played out so far in that, you know, not a lot was expected of either one of them when they first showed up. Uh, it, you know, in fact, they really had special teams roles in mind, yeah. um, but they're smart guys. They were, you know, kind of stepped up early on because of opportunities that they were given and they've continued every single year to make the most of every opportunity. Um, and they've become the players, you know, that, that they are now looking to cash in kind of for the first time in their careers. I don't think that Russell is going to get the same type of market that Foyer did. I, you know, I think we're all a little surprised at the number that um, Jacksonville ended up you know, paying for Foyer's deal. I think that just because wide receivers continue to pour into this league, you know, uh, and show no signs of, of slowing down that the, the receiver market, even though it's been kind of hot so far, I, like foyer, like Russ is kind of is a really high floor player to me, but, but I, I think he's also kind of close to where a ceiling is. And I think yep. you look at a deal like Christian Kirk and you get what they're betting on. You're, you're betting that there's that he came from a very, very crowded receiver situation with kind of a, a quarterback who's maybe not going to play within the confines of the, the play design always. Um, so it's a little harder to bet on there. And that getting into a situation where there's more structure, there's more um, kind of reliability maybe from who's throwing you the ball uh, in terms of timing and things like that, that, that he could be unlocked and, and really explode. I don't look at Russ in the same type of way. So I think that he's going to be a little bit more affordable, but I completely agree with both of you guys. I, I think we may be overblowing the fact that Matt Ryan needs Russell Gage to come back. Yes, it would suck to not have anybody on the roster who he's familiar with, but th they can figure that out and they would just know, all right, we're, we're coming out of this draft with three wide receivers or we're signing two in free agency and we're taking one early. Like they could figure that out. It's not the end of the world, but I would love to have Russell Gage come back if the price is right. Yeah, I think uh, you, you both hit it. The, the price has to be right. This is a franchise right now that can't afford to spend big money on these guys. Um, and a couple of years, that's going to be a different story. You know, if the Falcons uh, address the quarterback position, they've got a young quarterback. Uh, they're done with the Julio uh, cap hit. Um, you know, th th that's all going to make things a lot easier to pull off. Right now, though, they're still sort of uh, being hit by the waves of the the contract extensions and the contract restructures of the previous regime. You know that they have 16 million in cap space, but again, that is not a ton of room. This is the Falcons having to do bargain bin shopping still this year. Um, and I know fans don't want to hear that. They want 2022 to be like a signing bonanza, and it's just not going to be the case. Um, so where Russell Gage is concerned, I'm with both of you. I think. It, it would be terrible for the Falcons to have to completely start over at wide receiver. But if it's, I would rather they do that, invest some draft picks into the position um, and not overpay. We, we've seen what happens. We've seen what happens when you overpay and uh, we're, we're feeling the consequences of that now. All right. Next free agent. I'm going to use this, the term free agent sort of loosely here um, is young way kicker extraordinaire who has been absolutely phenomenal since he took over the starting job um, in sort of this weird period where Matt Bryant was sort of pushed out the door and we went through a phase with like Giorgio Tavecchio and a few other options. <laughs> um, God, the fact that I remember Giorgio Tavecchio that easily is, is kind of weird. Um, 
Who is a restricted free agent, uh, which means that the Falcons do still have the ability to put a tender on him. And if they put a second round tender, they basically owe him $4 million this year. But that also means another team could sign him away. But if they sign him away, they owe the, the Falcons a second round pick. And they could put a first round tender on him. And no one's giving a first round pick for uh, a kicker. But that costs $5.5 million. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I personally think that Koo is young enough. He's good enough that he's someone you want to keep for the long term. He's only 28 years old, which is very young for a kicker. Um, Gina, let me ask you, what is your preference? Do you think they should use the, you know, the, the second round tender at 4 million, or do you think they should go ahead and try to get him signed into like a, a, a multi-year deal so they can really have full control over his cap hit? Yeah. I mean, I would rather see them sign him to a multi-year deal at his age. We have all seen um, the, <laughs> the chaos that can ensue if you have a kicker who is not as reliable as young Ku. Um, and Ku has been fantastic. He's, yes. I think that he's really like acclimated into the Falcons culture. He's become a fan favorite. Uh, he seems, you know, really happy here, like a great teammate and he's been really reliable. And so, yeah, I, I am on board with them doing whatever it takes to lock Koo up. And if you're looking at more of a, you know, a long-term deal, then they do have much more control over the early cap hits, which I think is what they need this year. Yep. Um, Will, your thoughts on uh, getting Koo locked up or using that one-year restricted free agent tender? No, I'd I'd like to see, I'd like to see him get um, inked to a, to a multi-year deal because it, it makes no sense, you know, right? Like if you've got the ability to a get a really good young player who has proven to be reliable now over multiple seasons um, and is an asset in other ways on special teams, um, get get him in in the bag for the future. You know, get get him get him yes. locked down. Uh, they have so many holes elsewhere. They need to start plugging holes, not having holes be opened up. Um, and I would I wouldn't be shocked if it's maybe a high base salary. Um, low guaranteed money on on that deal because that allows you know for a kicker you can kind of be cut any moment um, so you don't want to be weighed down with with guarantees kind of later on in, in the contract because there's a high level of flexibility there to get out from under it um, and Koo is probably worth a, a higher base salary than than some other kickers so that might be a way to work it out for both parties um, but I would love mm-hmm. to see Youngway get um, extended and be here for the next four five six seven forever years yeah. <laughs> I like it. Um, it's a great point about the the salary. I think you want to stay away as much as possible from a big signing bonus because that sort of sets you up that if the kicker doesn't stay reliable, that you're in a really bad spot and you're losing cap space to you know a non-premium position, which is right. Uh, again, you, you want to have a good kicker, but if your cap gets hit with a $10 million charge because you had to cut a kicker. Like you're something's going terribly wrong for your franchise. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. There are a few other names. Um, I want to touch on one more as sort of a big name and, and then get around to, uh, you know, one of the last big moves I think the Falcons can make this year. Um, the last free agent, obviously the one that uh, fans are sort of thinking about is Cordero Patterson uh, came in last year on sort of a, you know, a, a, a really affordable deal. He's 31 years old. Uh, let's be clear. He is an unrestricted free agent at this point. Um, and he was one of the best parts of the Falcons offense last year. Um, so will, I'm going to go to you here first. 
is this this is really tough I, I think from a fan standpoint and from watching the team because I think you can make a case either way for Patterson fans loved him he was clearly someone that the team loved having on the team he was great uh, from all accounts in the locker room and, and just a an high energy player but he is 31 and this was sort of the first time he had ever done this in his career and have a season like this where do you stand on Patterson and the should the Falcons try to make a move to bring him back? Do you think they'll make a move to bring him back at this point? Um, so I, you know, I've when everything uh, when the offseason first began and kind of everybody started talking about, all right, well, who should the Falcons keep? Who should they lose? You know, all of that. I'd always been kind of quietly off by myself Um Wondering, you know, all about the Cordero Patterson stuff. Everybody pretty much at that point was very pro. All right, bring him back. He was publicly, you know, um, rallying people on his side for that case. And yet <laughs> sure I, I continue to just say, are we are we sure that it's worth it? Like, is this a done deal? You know, are we are we certain that they're going to bring him back regardless of the number for all of the reasons that you just said? They got him at as valuable a contract as they will ever probably get Cordero Patterson. And yeah. he had an outlier of a season. There's reason to believe that, yes, the Falcons figured out a way, to, a way to use him, but there's also some arguments that you can make where he was on maybe one of the um, poorest teams in terms of skill position uh, weaponry for most of the season. Um, and because of that, he got a ton of opportunities. Uh, as a team gets better, it's you know smart to uh, think that those opportunities are probably going to go down for him as Matt Ryan looks elsewhere, hands the ball off mm-hmm. to some other people, and he's getting older. So I think that if if anything, the foyer news today, we should be looking at through the lens of Cordero Patterson because clearly Terry Fontenot has a dollar number in mind for these guys. And as much as the team probably wanted to bring foyer back, it reached a point where financially they had to make a tough decision. I think take that logic and cut and paste directly onto Cordero Patterson, Mm. because that's, that's what it's always been about. I mean, they've been pretty open and honest about, look, we would love to have him back, but they, the model that they keep talking about is we're going to get a guy who's undervalued, who needs maybe a one year revival tour, come do that in Atlanta, go make your money elsewhere. They're fine with taking these guys and making them want to come to play in Atlanta because then they get the bag elsewhere. You got to let Cordero get the bag because then that like is the checkmate on this model that they're trying to incorporate because they want other free Uh, agents to see, all right, he's cashing in, not okay. And then he signed again with the Falcons for a one year, $4 million deal. Like that's not exciting to, to these guys. So I think that the Falcons are more comfortable letting him walk than the fans might be. Very interesting. I like it. Gina, what are your thoughts on Patterson and, what he means for this team and whether the Falcons should make a move to, to keep him now. Yeah. I mean, I do agree with Will, Um, you know, speaking as just a fan, um, am I going to be devastated when he is no longer a Falcon? Yes. But um, I'm also another um, aspect that Will didn't really touch on that I am really interested in is I'm interested to see how the market develops for Cordero, Um, mainly because, you know, he was not a traditional running back or wide receiver for Atlanta. Arthur Smith used him completely differently. And that's something that we hadn't really seen with um, any of the teams that that Patterson has played for in his career, except for a little bit with Bill Belichick. he used him as a little bit more of a hybrid player, but not to the extent that Smith did. And so I think that he is going to need a really specific situation and he is Mm -hmm. going to need to be put in those um, situations and given those opportunities to make those big plays. I don't think that that's a given. 
I think that Arthur Smith is just very skilled at creating those opportunities. So it's going to be really interesting to, to me to see how the market does develop for him. Um, I still think that some team's going to be willing to overpay him, but I'm still holding out a little bit of hope that people are like, oh yeah, we don't know actually how to use this guy. And then nobody picks him up and then the Falcons can get him for an affordable <laughs> price. <laughs> I do not think that that's likely, but let me dream, please. Do not stop yeah. all over my dreams. <laughs> exactly. Um, it, I, I think, Will, you're right. I think they should let him test free agency. And Gina, I'm, I'm sort of with you. I hope he tests free agency, doesn't find what he's looking for and, and comes back to Atlanta. It reminds me a little bit of Jason Snelling going way back mm-hmm. where Snelling had a good season uh, with the Falcons. A lot of people thought, Oh, they're, you know, he's, he's a big back. Some, some team's going to go out there and sign him. And, and the Falcons let him test free agency and he did, and he didn't get any really significant bites. And he came back to the Falcons and signed for a minimal deal. Um, yeah. And it is not outside the realm of possibility that, you know, other teams look at Patterson and think, ah, you know, we, we want to go younger or we don't think we can replicate the success you had in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of reasons, you know, it, you could look at Patterson's last five games uh, in 2021 and see, you know, his, his stats fell off a good bit. So there could be a, a, a weaker market than we're anticipating for Patterson. Now, uh, if he can get paid, Will, I like what you said. Uh, if he can get paid, it actually helps to set up this model that I think the Falcons are wanting to deploy, which makes a lot of sense, which is we're going to we're going to get guys who we think have you know a good year in them, uh, sign them for cheap and then maximize their productivity and let them get paid elsewhere. Um, I think that's a really good model. We've seen a lot of the successful franchises deploy that instead of you know trying to sign every great player in the NFL. Um, and yeah, Patterson to me is going to be an interesting case study uh, to see, to your point. Uh, will this front office sort of set their number in their mind and refuse to go above that? And if they do, that could be a really good sign because we saw in, in the previous regime, if you guys were tired of Thomas Dimitrov, I don't want you to, I don't want to hear you talking about um, we need to spend as much as possible. That's what got us here in the first place. Well, we're looking at a new GM. So if our new GM goes in and says, no, I'm not going to overspend, that's a distinct change from before, and we should all wait to see how this plays out. I'm very curious to see how this plays out with Patterson and with Russell Gage, uh, you know, to, to the point earlier. The, both these guys are sort of, they have value, but they're not top-tier players, um, and let's see if the front office views that the same way. Um, all right, last three names. Uh, just real quickly, I don't want to spend too much time on them. Uh, Josh Harris, our long snapper who made the Pro Bowl and was a second team All Pro this year, is a free agent. Hayden Hurst, uh, our tight end too, who had a really down year, is also a free agent. And then um, a name I think a lot of people keep forgetting, but he was having a good season before his ACL injury, and that is cornerback Isaiah Oliver, who is also a free agent. So of those three names, um, Will, I'll ask you this first. Uh, give it to me straight. Josh Harris, Hayden Hurst, Isaiah Oliver. Which ones do you sign? Which ones do you let walk? Um, I, I think it's I think it's Josh and Isaiah. Uh, for me, it's uh, Josh for sentimental reasons and because he's also a damn good long snapper. Um, mm-hmm. so uh, definitely, I mean, bring him back. That's a no brainer. And then Isaiah, like you said, it seemed like he had really, really found a role. Um, in the slot for this defense for Dean Pease. Uh, reading kind of some of Dean Pease's comments throughout the season, uh, indicates that that he really thinks highly of Isaiah Oliver. Yeah. Um, yeah. and that. Had Isaiah been healthy, there would not have been kind of this 
turnstile rotation of corners that we kind of saw in the secondary for Atlanta. So those would be my two guys. And I think that the injury that Isaiah uh, sustained probably helps the Falcons financially because they they understand a little bit maybe more what they had to work with in Isaiah before that injury, whereas the rest of the league now just kind of sees an, an injured player who before that wasn't incredibly productive. So I, I think they'll be able to get both of those guys back without um, spending too much. Gina, same question to you. Josh Harris, Hayden Hurst, Isaiah Oliver. Uh, who do you keep? Yeah. Who do you let walk? Yeah, I agree with Will 100%. Um, I, I really like Hayden Hurst as, you know, as a player, as a person. But like you said, David, he did have a down year last year. The Falcons just used the eighth overall pick on Kyle Pitts uh, last year. So, you know, they've already got a, a unicorn at the position. Um, <laughs> and yeah, but with Josh, I think that long snapper is such a specialized position and Josh is really, really good. Um, and then Isaiah, same thing. Like, I think that the Falcons do have an edge here because they know how he was developing in the system before that injury. And and they saw, you know, how he was kind of settling in and seemed like a really good fit. And um, I think that the injury is going to impact his market dramatically. So I think that they should be able to, to hold on to those two without too much trouble. Um, Hayden Hurst, I just think that for, because the uh, free agent tight ends, it's, it's a pretty, it's there aren't a lot of them to go around and some of them have already been snapped up today and so Mm -hmm. I think that Hayden Hurst is going to have I think it's going to be better for him to test the market I think that he'll be able to get more money elsewhere and I really don't think that the Falcons are probably making him much of a priority all right Um, I'm with both of you Josh Harris Isaiah Oliver Uh, I I don't think it's going to break the bank to keep both those guys I will say this about Hayden Hurst um He's 29 years old, uh, so he's getting very close to that uh, ugly age of 30, which makes me cringe. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was 30 old. What is wrong with you people? Um, (laughs) But he is getting to that 30 wall, and he is not, to this point in his career, shown that he can be a top-flight tight end. I wonder, uh, just thinking out loud, if he could also see a depressed market uh, that does not necessarily want to spend, and if he could also return to the Falcons on an inexpensive deal for like one year deal, 1 million to just try to boost his market back up for a payday in 2023. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'll be curious to see how that plays out. But to your point, Gina, tight end, uh, the tight end position, you don't see a ton of free agents with starting, uh, you know, starting experience. So that could inflate the market unexpectedly for, for Hayden Hurst. Yeah. Um, All right. Last name I want to touch on before we wrap up the podcast uh, really the last name here where the Falcons can do anything with him to sort of free up the cap. And that is Grady Jarrett. He is in the last year of his deal. Uh, he is 29 years old, clearly one of the best defenders the Falcons have. His cap hit this year is 23.8 million, 16.5 million salary, 7.3 million prorated bonus. Um, Seems like the only way to, to make anything happen with Grady is to either trade him, which I'm not a fan of, or get him signed to another extension, probably along the lines of what Jake Matthews, a, a three-year, four-year extension. Um, Gina, I'll ask you first. Grady, it, it, do you let him play out this last year of his deal, try to work something out maybe next year when he's a free agent, or do you go ahead and commit to him and give him a contract, free up cap space, and lock him down uh, for the next few years? I would absolutely, if I were Terry Fontenot, um, extend him. 
and get that cap hit down to something more manageable so you have some more money to work with this offseason. The Falcons roster does have a lot of holes. Uh, like Will said earlier, it's time to start plugging holes, not creating more holes. You trade Grady, and that creates a huge hole. Um, and, you know, really, he's been not only the best player on that defense, but the most consistent in terms of getting after the quarterback. And that's something that the Falcons really can't do much without him. Um, obviously, we haven't <laughs> seen what, they are, what they're going to do with that position um, this offseason. So we can still hold out some hope. But yeah, I just I really am uncomfortable with the idea of uh, letting Grady go to another team. I really would prefer to see them extend him, lock him up long term and um, get his cap hit down to something that's a little bit more manageable for this year. Yeah. Will, how do you feel about Grady? Oh, absolutely. Want him, want him locked down for the long term. Um, you know, it, it would probably behoove the Falcons also to not get into another franchise tag situation with, yes. with Grady wow. next, next offseason. You know, Todd Francis, his agent, um, is, can be a, a kind of a shrewd negotiator and, and hold a firm line there. Uh, so, I think getting getting him locked down for uh, something similar to what Jake did makes all the sense in the world. He is, you know, your probably second best defensive player. I think AJ Terrell, ta- like from a pure talent standpoint, may may be their number one now. But mm-hmm. but certainly, I mean, Grady's one B. <laughs> um, right. And uh, now now without Foyer, um, they they need to keep some defensive pillars in place. So. Yes, I, I like the fact that he's he's going to be um, at least around for next year or for this upcoming season. But if you can lower the cap hit and extend out the contract, I'm 100% for that. Yeah, I, I think his cap hit is not the worst in the world. You can you know you can play through 23.8 million. Uh, I don't think they have to extend him. Uh, if they even if they do extend him, more than likely that cap hit's only it's probably going to be the same as Jake Matthews. They'll probably save between six and eight million. Um, in the restructuring and extension. Um, so right now, I, I think it's it's more about the player. Do you want to keep him here long-term? And in my mind, the answer is yes. Uh, like Gina said, uh, there's no one else on the defensive line um, who is even worth talking about. Grady is it. Uh, get him some help. Keep him around. There, he's shown no signs of slowing down. Like He's still a, a really good player. Uh, and at 29, you, know, you get him signed to a three- or four-year deal, that should wrap up his career um, for the most part uh, and let him finish with the team that drafted him. I, I think that would be a fantastic way, especially for a player who was taken in the fifth round, who is you know from Georgia, lives in Georgia. Uh, let, let's get this guy signed for the long term and, and stop worrying about you know the, the, the potential to trade him and all that. Just, let's get him locked in uh, and rebuild around him. The, in the same way we're trying to rebuild Matt Ryan and, and planning for the future, I think the same could be done for Grady Jarrett on the defense. With that, we are coming to the close of this podcast. Uh, We are going to be back, uh, you know, spotty uh, as, as we have been. Uh, That's mostly on me because there hasn't been a lot to talk about where the Falcons are concerned, Um, but we will be back uh, to talk about free agency, the draft, and of course, training camp in just a few months, which is kind of bonkers um, that we're already talking about a training camp being, you know, what, three and a half months away. Uh, it is not that far. So with that, Will, why don't you remind our listeners where you can find you and what you have going on? Yeah, you guys can, uh, can find my stuff at Falcoholic and I have some, um, I've been helping Kevin with a lot of the draft prospect profiles. So those will be coming 
um, soon. And then also uh, on my podcast, uh, Believe in Falcons, B-L-E-A-V, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, just put up our most recent one this morning, catching up with Ovi Mahaley and hearing his free agency stories. Uh, so go check that out. <laughs> awesome. Um, Gina, remind our listeners where they can find you and what you've got going on. Find me on Twitter at Gina Thomas. And when I do write things, you can typically find those at The Falcoholic. I actually wrote two articles this month. This is like the most I've written in a long time. Um, <laughs> other than that, you can find me tweeting about my dogs for the most part. Um, which is completely on brand. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, as for me, guys, you can find me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW. Updates for this podcast at FalcoholicPod. And of course, our articles daily at thefalcoholic.com. So for Gina Kelly and Will McFadden, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll talk with you next time.